You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Look, just before I get into the word, just want to share a little praise point. Um, we've been away for a couple of weeks, as Petra said, and we visited grandkids. We went to Gippsland and saw some grandkids down there and then up to Armadale, New South Wales. And we arrived there on the Monday two weeks ago and all three kids were home from school sick. Head colds, chesty coughs, they were sick as dogs. And we walked in from Victoria going, uh-oh. Well, you know, they did the right thing. They shared everything with us, their food, their colds, their coughs. By last Sunday, Petra and I were both really sick. I knew I was preaching this Sunday, and every day I was getting worse and worse. The nose was just running like the proverbial tap. Head was as thick as... I mean, and when I get a head cold, it always goes down to the chest, always, and it did. By Tuesday, it was down there. I had a really bad cough, a very sore chest. I even tried to get into a doctor on Wednesday to see if I could get something for it. We were in Coffs Harbour by that stage, and there was no vacancies anywhere in the doctors. Um, anyhow, this is, this is the body of Christ at work. Marios sent me a text and said, Phil, how are you going? What can I pray for you for? Oh, I thought, Lord, you're so good. And, and so I shared with him. I said, I'm preaching on Sunday. I'm preaching on this topic. And I'm as sick as a dog. And I left it at that. I just prayed. Anyhow, God touched me. He really did. Within two days, it completely cleared up. And that is totally unheard of for me. It takes weeks for me to get over a chest cold. And you couldn't imagine me preaching this morning if I was coughing and spluttering, let alone COVID. <laughs> Come to church and let me share my germs with you. Anyhow, it was just the body of God, you know, the body of Christ at work, and, and it's not, I'm not here to blow Marios's trumpet, but it was the body of Christ working together to make sure that I was well to preach this morning. And I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning I want to talk about God's presence. Here's a, the teacher in me is going to come out. I've got a question for you as students. Is God present in this room? You'll have to answer. Yes. Now, here's the big question. How do you know? Somebody brave enough to yell out an answer? How do you know? Sorry? He's got joy in his heart. Wonderful. Yes. Suzanne? Yes. Somebody else, quickly. How do you know God's presence is here? This is just the introduction, so I need a bit of hand. Mm. You probably wouldn't come back next week if he wasn't here. He said so. Good, good. And, and many times we just take it by faith, don't we? We have to take it by faith. Sometimes we feel God's presence, and that's a bonus, but we don't necessarily always feel his presence. But God is present here this morning. And I want to share three things. I want to look at God's omnipresence. The fact that God is everywhere, and we read that in the, in the reading this morning, God's omnipresence. And what does that actually mean to us? What can we take from God's omnipresence? I want to look at some times when God is especially present. Where we, God is always present, but when we especially are aware of his presence and the joy of those experiences. And then I want to have a look at, mainly through scripture, 
God's manifest presence, when he actually comes down in his power and his glory and his might and he presences himself with his people to achieve a particular purpose. And I want to spend most of my time talking about that. So let's get into it. Um, before I do, let me, let's just pray because this is a talking about God's presence and without that we might as well go home. Lord, we are a needy people this morning. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and Lord, it's only by your grace and by your mercy that we're even here, Lord. You've given us the desire to even come to church this morning, Lord. And I just pray that you would come now by your spirit. Would you fill this place, Lord? Would you let the people just sense your presence here amongst us, Lord, that you would do a work in each of our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 139 that Doug read for us talked about, where can I go from God's presence? Where can I escape from his spirit? And, And the point was that there's nowhere. I can go to heaven, God's presence is there. I even can go into hell, God's presence is there. I can go to the, take a a plane and fly to the farthest part of the earth, God's presence is there. There's no way you can go from God's presence. And see, the nice thing, we've just been through Easter, we've still got the cross up there, and Easter is all about God's presence. Did you realise that? When Jesus died on the cross, there was a veil that was in the temple, and that veil separated the people out there from the presence of God in there. There was a place called the Holy of Holies. It had the Ark of the Covenant and that was where God dwelt in a very specific way. His presence was strong in there. If you don't believe that, ask the high priest who went in there once a year. He went in there with fear and trembling and not without blood because if he went in there without blood, he was struck dead. So it was a pretty powerful place. And when Jesus died on that cross, that veil was torn supernaturally from top to bottom, and the way was made open into the Holy of Holies for the people out there, for you and I. So God's omnipresence is available to us right now. Jesus said, even when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst, there there by his spirit. So the presence of God is here with us at any time and anywhere. So the question is, why don't we feel it? And what if we don't feel it? What if we don't feel God's presence? And I can guarantee there are people who have come to church this morning and you've come because you have a desire in your heart to be with God, to worship with other people and yet you're sitting there this morning and you feel nothing. It's just a reality. Sometimes you come to church and as our brother here said, you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart and wow, I'm in church. Isn't it great? And other times you come and it's a struggle. To struggle, you sit there and you, it's hard to sing the songs. Your mind's a million miles elsewhere and you feel nothing. And that, Don't feel down for that. Don't put yourself down for that. That's a reality, that sometimes we don't feel the presence of God. And yet God's presence is always here. Let me give you a little example that, that where feelings and fact don't, don't mash. And, and I mean, modern man, if, the, if you talk to somebody down the street about God... They'll quite often say, well, show me him. I can't see him. How do you know he's real? I can't see him. And unless I can see him, you know, remember um, Thomas, unless I can put my finger, I'm not going to believe. I can't, you know. And people today are like that. But as Christians, we have to take that one step further. You remember in in Galatians 4, um, we heard a message a couple of weeks ago when Jono talked about... um, us being a heavenly father in our relationship with our father and it says because you are sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying over father now 
we can't see, I can't see God in you, I can't see God in me. I'm God's son, but I can't see it. Do I always feel like I'm a son of God? Well, the answer is no. But does that change the fact? When, did you, when do you stop becoming a son of God? When you, when you don't feel like it? Well, of course, the answer is no. You are a son or a child of God or a daughter of God 24 hours a day, once you give your heart to Jesus, you're a son of God. Do you feel like it? No, not all the time. Sometimes I do, but it doesn't matter. We are a son or a daughter of God, and it doesn't change the fact whether I feel it or not. So God's presence is with us all the time. The Bible tells us. Look at that Psalm 139. It all, he's always there with us. We can't get away from him. If we don't feel it, so what? So what does that mean for us? It means that we have access. We can come into a church like this, and some, you know, somebody over there said, well, I wouldn't be here if the presence of God wasn't here. And that's dead right. We come here, and we, we can come as a body and know that the presence of God will be here. But even if you're not at church, even if you're down the street or at home alone, God's presence is with you. He's accessible. You can talk to him at any time. You can pray to him. You can ask him things. You can open the word of God and he will speak to you through his word. God's presence is always with you. Let's look at some times now when we particularly feel a strong sense of God's presence. I don't know about you, but when you get into nature... A beautiful sunset. Our daughter up in Armadale has got a two-storey house overlooking a valley with a mountain in the distance and it faces west. Every night she gets a beautiful sunset. And quite a few nights we sat out on the veranda at the two-storey and we just watched the sunset. And we had these beautiful sunsets. And I'd said to the little grandkids, because you get a few clouds in the sky that light up, and I said, oh, look, there's a dragon chasing the sun across the sky and got their imaginations fired up. But there's something about a beautiful sunset or a sunrise that you just sense God's presence. You know, the beauty of nature, a lovely mountain range, beautiful vistas. You say, wow, you know, isn't God good? The beauty of a flower, the beauty of, of just nature, you feel the presence of God. For those of us who are parents, the birth of your child is a very spiritual experience. I know for the woman it's not unphysical, quite physical. But it's quite spiritual. You know, we were created in the image of God and God gave us the ability to create a new human being and you hold that little baby for the first time and I'm sure it wasn't just because I was a Christian but my, I had tears in my eyes and your heart is just overwhelmed at the goodness of God in giving you this new little baby and it is a, it, you, you, you can't help but sense the presence of God with the birth of a new child. You know, we, we come to church and sometimes there's just... A special presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? It could be something happened in the worship, this particular songs, the way we sung it, and our heart just responds to God and we just sense God's presence in the worship. Or it could be a word of God that God just particularly speaks to our heart, ministers to us, or through a prayer time or something that happens, and you just know that you know that you know that you're in the presence of God. And it's a very special time. Um, I quite often find I get emotional. Tears well up when I'm in the presence of God. I, and I, I shouldn't sort of say, well, you know, tears are the, are the judge of whether the presence of God is here because he's always here. 
But when it's in that strong sense of God's presence, I find I often get emotional and I, I just have tears. It's just something that does it, does it to me. Yeah, there are times when your heart, my heart does a lot of pounding, but there's other times where it pounds with the presence of God and you just know that, oh, it's almost like your heart wants to burst with the love of God. It's, it can't contain it. And there's special times of God's presence. And yet there's even other times that are even deeper than that. I, I find when I go away somewhere for an extended time in, God pres- in God's presence, um, something like a church camp or a conference or some time when you're away for more than just a few hours. If you're away for a few days or especially a week and you're in the presence of God and you're doing continual worship and around the word, man, you know God's presence is there. And, and there's something about a church camp that the worship is always uninhibited. I well, I don't know what the difference is because you come back to church the next Sunday and it's the same old worship, but at a church camp, does anybody else find that? It's always freer and uninhibited and the presence of God is so much more powerful. And it's not that God's presence is any more real. I think it's the fact that we've moved into God's presence. You know, God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And in a church camp situation or a conference, we're doing that, we're, we're drawing in. I want to particularly focus on God's manifest presence because this is where God comes down in a powerful way to meet his people. Adam and Eve enjoyed both God's omnipresence. He was with them in the garden all the time. But we read in Genesis 3 that in the cool of the evening, the Lord would actually come down and walk and talk with him and they had that special special presence each day as opposed to his omnipresence all the time. I want to have a look at the dedication of Solomon's temple. We heard this morning about um, King David getting the resources together for the opening of, or for his son Solomon to build the temple. And when they came time to, to finish it and to dedicate it, they had a, a massive church service. I'll call it a church camp because it was, it was more than a church service. It said they had sacrifices because they offered you know, sacrifices to, to, for the forgiveness of their sins, it said they did so many that they lost count. And it wasn't just hundreds, it was thousands of animals that were sacrificed to say thank you to God for forgiving their sins and bring them into relationship with him. And 1 Kings chapter, um, 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 6, if we can flick over to that, it says, The priests brought the ark of the, Lord, of the Lord's covenant to its place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place between the wings of the cherubim. There was something about this Ark of the Covenant that God had said that he would dwell between the cherubim. And they brought this Ark of the Covenant into the right place. And when the worship and when the the presence of God was in the right place, something special, special happened. In verse 10 we read, And when the priests came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's temple. And because of the cloud, the priests were not able to continue ministering for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This is not just omnipresence. This is the manifest presence of God. These are priests who are paid full time to minister before the Lord and the cloud of God's glory came down. They couldn't even minister. They were just so overcome. The word for glory there in the Hebrew is the word kabod and the meaning of that in English is a weighty presence. So God came down in such a heavy, weighty presence that the, that the priests couldn't minister. And I'll go as far to say that, that I know where they were. They were flat on their face before the Lord. That weighty presence, they couldn't even stand in the presence of God. God's presence 
They just had to fall on their face before the Lord in worship because God's presence was so profound. That cloud, you know, where else in the Bible do we see that cloud? The one that came to my mind was transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus went up, he was transfigured before the disciples and a cloud of God's glory came down. And I sense that cloud came down for a couple of reasons. First of all, to hide the disciples from God because if God had revealed himself without the cloud, they probably would have been burnt up. God says, no man, no man can see my face and live. So God gave them a covering, but also it was a cloud of God's glory that they would have sensed, wow, the presence of God. In fact, Peter, you remember, he was just blown away. He, um, what, 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 hey, Jesus, what, what if we build some, tem, some tabernacles here and we'll, we'll stay here forever? He had no idea what he was saying. He just was blown away by it. There are some modern day experiences where clouds have come down. We think, oh, well, that's all Bible stuff. But no, there are modern days. I, I did some internet research and there was a guy by the name of Kenneth Hagen who was an evangelist back in the early part of last century. And in one of the articles he wrote, he said, on Sunday night I was preaching away on prophecy. It was the second Sunday night in September 39 and the anointing came upon us and after that anointing came, I do not know what I said. I could not see anything or anyone. It was as of a cloud or dense fog filled the church there was just a cloud of God's glory that came into that church and what was what was the result of that what happened as a result of that cloud he reads on a little bit later he said um, every sinner in the church came and got saved that we had revival that night so that cloud of God's glory brought God's presence to the place where anybody who was unsaved knew they were a sinner and had to get saved it wasn't a matter of a strong preaching thing it was God saying my holiness, my presence is here. You need to get right with me. And that's the effect of God's presence on you. I, I had a very um, pre, uh, well manifest experience of God's presence back a few years ago. And I, I do apologise. I know some people have heard this story before, but it fits in with the sermon, so I'm going to repeat it. Um, back in 2005, we did a, a course called Psalmody. It was a 13-week series on worship as a lifestyle. And Petra and I did this course. It was running back of Smarsh, and um, it was really, really good. Anyhow, the, the organisation of the Psalmody group ran a, a worship retreat up at Murnyong. There's a campsite just out of back of Smarsh at Murnyong, and they held it there over a, um, a few days. And a few of my friends from Hamilton came down, and we went to this worship conference, and it was just sensational because it was all about worship, and we did a lot of worship, da da da. And it was people from every denomination. It wasn't run by a church, it was this, this group called Psalmody and there was people from every denomination. I remember on the Saturday night there was a, a Salvation Army, I, I assume he was a major, he had all his uniform on and he led the worship that night and it was just incredible worship. He, he just led us into places in God in worship that you know just blew us away. It was just wonderful. And then when he finished the worship, before the sermon, he said, and now we've got a sister so-and-so who's going to come and do a spiritual dance for us. I'd seen people do spiritual dances. And I've been in Pentecostal churches where it's quite common. And my experience of spiritual dance isn't somebody up the back just worshipping the Lord and dance. They always have to come out the front and they say, look at me, look at me, look at me, aren't I so wonderful? And that's their spiritual dance. And I thought, oh, here we go. 
I don't know why the Lord just didn't slap me across the, the wrist and say, you stupid man. Anyhow, this older lady came out um, and she had a long flowing gown on and she put a worship CD on, just some lovely soft worship CD and she just raised her hand and just gently swayed and moved under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every time I think about it, I, I get emotional. The Holy Spirit fell in that place. The presence of God fell so powerfully, I couldn't sit in my seat. You know, we talked about the Kabod presence of God before, that the weighty presence, this weighty presence of God fell in that room. I weighed about 20 tonnes. I could not sit in the seat. I couldn't sit there. I, just, I was being crushed under this weight. The only place I could go was flat on my face before the Lord, weeping before the Lord in his presence. And I, I wasn't living a sinful life. I was worship leader in the church I was, I was attending. I was worship, worship leading every Sunday. I was leading Bible studies during the week. I was seeking the Lord. I was preaching regularly. You know, I was living what I would call a, a good Christian life. But when the presence of God fell like that, I fell on my face. I saw the holiness of God, how holy God was, and how unworthy I was. I could do nothing but weep before the Lord. You cannot believe the holiness of God unless you've experienced it. I don't care how much you get taught, how much you read the Bible, but the holiness of God is like a bright, shining light. It just it just penetrates your life, your soul, and you see yourself as totally undone, totally unworthy. Not because I had gross sin in my life, <laughs> excuse me, but I was just undone in the presence of God. And I was on the, in that place of just weeping before the Lord for over half an hour. And finally I could get back up and sit in my seat when they sort of started the preaching. And then after the, service, after the guy preached, he said, those who want more of the presence of God come out. And I went out the front and they prayed for us. And once again, as soon as they prayed for me, the weighty presence just hit again and I was back face, fell out of my face, just crying before the Lord because his presence was so strong. And I tell you what, experience like that is not something that, oh, you know, I want to worship and glorify that experience, but I tell you what, I want to worship and glorify my God. You know, David wrote, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Once you've been in that place with God, everything else is superficial. You know, people sort of say, well, I wonder what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to be there for a long time, eternity. You're not going to be bored. If the presence of God is anything like what I experienced, you're not going to be bored. The presence is so wonderful, so all-consuming, you are just going to be absolutely wrapped to be in his presence. You won't have to worry about what am I going to do tomorrow I'm in his presence. And I tell you what, God has put that in your heart. There's a longing in your heart for his presence that nothing else will satisfy. The best job in the world, the best money in the world, the best spouse in the world that you can ever marry, nothing will satisfy like the presence of God because God created for us to be in relationship with him, in a deep relationship with him. And I tell you what, if you've been in that place where you know the presence of God and you've experienced that, 
you'll never be satisfied with anything else except God. That's just the, the bottom line. Let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 6 quickly. We've all read this. I won't read the whole thing through for the sake of time. But Isaiah had a revelation of the presence of God. And Isaiah was obviously a godly man. He was a prophet of Israel. He spent his life seeking God, hearing from God, passing on God's message. So he was a godly man. And yet you have a look at verse 5. And then he said, woe is me, for I am ruined. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he was a godly man. Woe is me, I'm ruined. <laughs> because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of lords, or the Lord of armies. And of course, we know a seraph came and put a coal from the fire and, and said, now you're clean, and your iniquity is removed, and your sin is atoned for. We're not told what Isaiah was doing when he had that revelation. Remember John, the, the apostle John in the book of Revelation, when he got that beautiful revelation um, of Jesus Christ in, in Revelation chapter 1, it says that he, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He came and he was in a place and he was worshipping God in the spirit on the Lord's day and he got that revelation. I'm wondering if Isaiah was the same, whether he'd been in the temple. We're not told where he was. And, and here's my question, and I don't have the answer for this, so I'm, I'm posing the question out there, if you want to talk it amongst yourselves afterwards. Is the manifest presence of God, is that something that God just does? Or is it something we can position ourselves to be in a place where we can experience that presence, which we can bring ourselves? I mentioned that scripture before. It's in James where it says... Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do we need to take the first step? Is there something that we can do? Can we position ourselves to be in a place where we can actually experience God's presence more regularly and more deeply? Or is it just something we have to sit back and let God do? I don't know. You, you can talk amongst yourselves after the service. You know, I mentioned about my experience and Isaiah's experience that when you're in the presence of God, you're completely undone. Some people say that, look, God's unfair. People are going to go to hell, and there's a beautiful heaven to gain, but people are going to go to hell. Why can he let them go to hell? Um, but I, I want to sort of propose a little thing to you, that if you're a sin, in a sinful state, if you're away from God, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, and you're living for yourself, and God took you to heaven in his holy presence and you were there and saw the holiness of God and you weren't covered by the blood of Jesus, I tell you what, that would be hell. The, the holiness of God would burn your heart so badly you'd want to get out of there. You'd want to go to hell to get away from God's holiness because you couldn't stand it. It's only through the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice that we can even come to God. You know, you and I as sinners... But through Jesus, he's made us the righteousness of God and we can come into his presence as his children. So please, this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given him your life and surrendered your life to him, do it this morning because his holiness and his righteousness is so wonderful. I want to quickly look at just two people, probably another five or ten minutes. Exodus 33. I want to look at Moses and Joshua. Two guys who knew God. 
And there's a, there's a lovely little reading here about God's presence. In verse 7 we read, Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the, the camp, at a distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each of them at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses as all, as all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent. They would stand up then bow in worship, each at the door of his tent. And the Lord would speak to, with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Just a couple of points from that. First of all, Moses pitched the tent outside the camp. He didn't put it in the middle of the camp, he pitched it outside the camp, which meant that anybody who wanted to come and meet with God had to go to this tent of meeting. It was not at their convenience. They had to put themselves out to go into the presence of God. And I, I think that's a key for us. God just doesn't come with his presence at our convenience. We need to go to God. You think about it. You know, if you want to spend some time at home in prayer, do you turn the tally on and watch the footy and oh, in between the ads, oh, Lord, we just come to you now and, oh, gee, oh, another goal. No, you turn the tally off. You go away somewhere quietly. You turn your phone off or turn it right down and you spend time with the Lord. You have to do it at your inconvenience, not at your convenience if you're going to come, to, come into the presence of God. Even to church. I mean, it's a cold, horrible old morning outside. You have made the effort to come to church. I can guarantee there are people who... Will I go or not? Mm. bit cold this morning. Kids are playing. Kids are on holiday. They're, they're annoying me. We'll stay home this morning. We'll go next week. It'll be warmer next week. And I'll tell you what, they've missed out on the presence of God this morning by staying home. You've, got, you've come this morning. You've made the effort. And God is manifesting his presence here this morning because you've come. An interesting point that Moses, he went and they said the people would stand and watch at the door of their tents. They didn't even make the effort to come. They stood and watched. God wants people who are participants, not spectators. Even when you come to church, it is very easy to be a spectator. Watch the worship, watch the sermon, watch and go home without being touched. But if you participate, you enter into the worship, you enter into the reading of the word, you enter into the prayer and you participate, God will actually speak to you. We also see that the cloud came down, another manifestation of God's glory that came down. And I tell you, when that glory cloud came down, it's interesting what it says about the people, they bowed and worshipped. When God's presence comes down, you can't stand there and say, oh, that's nice. No, you're, you're in worship because God's holiness is so manifest. Moses had a lovely relationship with God. It says he spoke with, um, God spoke with Moses and man speaks face to face. What a wonderful, wonderful relationship. You know, we, we can actually have that same relationship with God. We may not hear his audible voice, but we have the Holy Spirit within us. God can speak to us in that still, small inner voice. He can speak to us every day. Open his word. He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you through somebody else in the church. He'll speak to you through a myriad of ways, just his presence. He wants to speak to you. But the main point I want to make is the last point, 
about Joshua. Moses went and did the business. He, he was there on behalf of all the nation of Israel and he went and spoke to God and he did the church business. And when he'd finished his church business, guess what? He went back to his tent and did what he had to do on his day-to-day life. He was a busy boy. But Joshua, the son of Nun, in verse 11, says he did not leave the inside of the tent. It doesn't say that he had clouds of glory there. It doesn't say that God spoke to him. But he was there when the glory cloud came down and and God was speaking to Moses. He was there in the tent and he experienced God's presence. And God put in his heart a hunger and a thirst for himself that when Moses went back, Joshua didn't follow. He stayed in the tent. He lingered. He just wanted to be in God's presence. And I tell you what, that's a gift from God. If you've got that hunger in your heart to be in the presence of God, don't ignore it. Don't run away from it. Don't, don't so to say, well, next week will be better. Linger. Spend time in the presence of God because God will be there for you. Can I, can I just suggest maybe even after the service this morning, you know, we've got a couple more songs coming up um, before we finish the service and I think Marius is going to pray for us. When the service finishes, if you, if you want to, if you're hungry for God, why don't you just come down and, and sit in these front rows here and, you know, we don't have to do anything big and fancy, just linger in the presence of God. I'd be happy to come and pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to come. But if you're hungry, come and linger and just see what God does in your life. So how do we come? How do we enter his presence? And here's my question to you. You know, how happy are you with where you are right now? Are you happy with the omnipresence of God? I, I know I'm born again. I'm, I'm a child of God. God's here. God's with me all the time. That's the omnipresence of God. Are you happy at that level? Are you happy with just the occasional time when maybe in a church service you feel God's presence a little bit stronger? Or at a church camp or something where you do feeling quite strong? Is that sort of the level where you're happy at? Or are you like Joshua and you just don't want to leave the tent? Are you really hungry for God? Because God wants to reveal himself to you. Hebrews um, 10 says to enter boldly into his presence. And I I just want to share a couple of keys and I've, I've got probably another five minutes to go. Some keys to entering into God's presence. I think the first thing is hunger. Let's have a look at Exodus um, 33 again, verse 15. Moses is pleading with God, or God's pleading with Moses to lead his people out, and Moses responds back to God. If your presence doesn't go, Moses responds to him, do not make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favour with you unless you go with us? I want your presence, Lord. And if your people will, I and your people will be distinguished by this from all other people on the face of the earth. They're going to be distinguished from all the other people because of the presence of the Lord. And the Lord answered with Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked. You know, you're ready to ask the Lord, Lord, if I don't have your presence, you manifest presence every day, I can't do this. I need your presence every day. And I think the Lord would say back to you as he says to Moses, this very thing I will do for you. You have found favour with me and I know you by name. 
And then Moses said, Lord, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And and I'm sure it wasn't just a matter of, Lord, show me your power, because Moses had already seen the Lord's power. The the Red Sea had been parted. That's power for you. He'd seen God's power in the provision in the desert, you know, the manna and the fire and the cloud. He'd know God's... So what's he asking? He says, Lord, I want to know you. Show me your glory. Show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. Is that your heart this morning? Lord, reveal yourself to me. Because I can tell you now, if you've got that hunger in your heart, God's not going to say, oh, you know, I'm not going to worry about you. You're just so-and-so. Don't worry about it. No. You're hungry for God. God's going to run to you. We heard about the prodigal son a few weeks ago. You know, the prodigal son had screwed up badly. And while he was still a long way off, guess what the father did? He ran to the son and embraced him. You show me that much hunger towards God, and I tell you what, God will show you that much love back. He's longing for you to be hungry for him and to come before him and say, Father, I'm hungry for you. Show me your glory. Show me your presence. And I tell you what, as you're hungry for him, God is not going to disappoint He's going to run to you a million miles an hour because he's just looking for hearts that are hungry for him who want more and more of him. One of the other keys to coming into his presence is worship. There's something about worship that brings the presence of God and I don't know whether it's the cart before the horse or the horse before the, you know, whatever. When we come in worship before the Lord, nearly always there's the presence of God there. It says in the Psalms, God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits them. His presence is here when we worship. This is not just about, oh, you know, we've got to fill in five minutes, so let's, Jeremy, can you come and sing two songs? Because we're filling, you know, we can't go before 11.30, so we need two songs. Can we just fill it in? No. This is worship. This is coming to the presence of God. Could you imagine Jeremy comes up here and starts singing and the cloud, cloud of glory comes down? God wants to presence himself amongst us, but I tell you what, he needs a response from us. This is not just a matter of, of listening to Jeremy sing. This is about you and I coming in worship in our hearts and coming and opening our hearts in worship to the Lord as we sing and, and worship him. There's a couple of scriptures there I've got up there. Psalm 95. It says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him in psalms. You know, when we come and we sing, we're generally giving thanks to God and we're giving shouts of praise unto the Lord our God. In Psalm 100, it says there, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, these are worship things that we need to do. There's, there's so many verses on worship and praise. I'm not even going to start there. You know, praise is not about us Oh, that's, I think they've put a full stop there. <laughs> Praise is not about us. It's not even about how you feel. What if you come to church and you don't feel like praising? So what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. Is he worthy of our praise? Did Jesus die in our place? Did Jesus hold anything back for us? No. 
So especially when you don't feel like worship, especially when you don't feel like praise, come before him. And it says in one of the scriptures, bring the sacrifice of praise. Come and worship. You know, when Jeremy leads these next couple of songs, I want you to bring your hearts and worship and praise the Lord as though this was the last Sunday on earth and this was your last chance to do it and pour your heart out to God because he's worthy. He's worthy. Psalm 100 verse 2 tells us, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence for his singing. I, I don't know what the difference is. You know, we can stand here you can quote that, you can say these prayers that sometimes on the screen or the, the apostles create, they're wonderful, but there's something about singing that just blesses the heart of God. God has given us the ability to sing, not because we like to hear our own voices, but because God gets blessed when we sing. It doesn't matter if you sing in tune or out of tune, God gets blessed when you sing worship to him. So when we get the opportunity in a few minutes to sing, let's sing with all of our hearts. Music is so important. One at home, if I just want to enter the presence of God, I just put some worship music on. Put the headphones on, put some worship music on and just settle there and just worship in his presence. There's something about music that just brings the presence of God. I don't know, you feel the same when you listen to a harp being played? What, what is it about a harp? There's something about a harp. Wow, you almost feel in the presence of God even if not playing a you know, a spiritual song or something. There's just something about a harp. You know, I've got a 12-string at home. Sometimes when I play that, it just the, the music brings the presence of God. Um, it says in Chronicles there, then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers um, accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps and cymbals by raising the voice, voice and resounding joy. You know, singing and music is just so important when we come into the presence of God. We've got to be careful not to make our worship an act of worship. I'm not going to put down any other churches, but I'll tell you what, I've been in churches where it is an act of worship. I've been in church where you've got these bright lights flashing around the, around the room, blinding you. I've even been in churches where they've had smoke machines. All I can think is that they're trying to simulate the cloud of glory that was you know, the real thing and they're doing a, a fake version of that. Why else would you have a smoke machine in church? And it's an act of worship. And the, and the worship singers are at the front there, polished, professional. They are incredible. And you, you look around the church and everybody's watching the front people at the front not entering in. And it's an act of worship. It's a performance. Give me one guy on a guitar who has a heart for the Lord and get a church who is behind him singing and worshipping and I tell you what, you've got the presence of God a thousand times more than the most professional band you've ever had. Well done, Jeremy and those other guys who get in the into there. Prayer is obviously another key to entering into the presence of God. You know, in, in Acts it says, in Acts 4.11 it says, and when they prayed, the place that they were assembled was shaken. There's something about being in prayer. We had a prayer day. Excuse me. We had a prayer day a few weeks ago, and many people commented how they felt the presence of God throughout that day. Just by being together and praying together, the presence of God comes. 
And finally, there's one last one, which is a little bit unusual. I've talked a lot about singing and shouting and all that sort of stuff before the Lord, but silence. There are times in a service where, you know, you may have been praising the Lord and worshipping the Lord, and we have a time of silence before the Lord. Habakkuk 2 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Have you been in a place where there's been a holy silence? Give us a little wave. You've been somewhere in a church and just a silence has fell on the church and it's, it's goosebump time. It's the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. There's something about the presence of the Lord that you, you almost can't speak, you almost can't sing. The presence of God is so strong. Don't be afraid of silence. You know, sometimes in our church we have a, we have a running sheet there and at this time is going to do this, that time is going to do that. That goes out the door when Phil preaches because I, you know. But rarely, but rarely, but rarely do we have any time in our little church program that says, Holy Spirit, come and do your thing. And we sit there and do nothing for a few minutes while we just bask in God's presence. But it's a beautiful thing when we do that. I, I, I think God cringes sometimes when we, <clears throat> we look at our watches and say, I've got to be out of here by 11.30. And seriously, what hap- what, what's the end of the world if we go five minutes over 11.30? What, what's the, what? Have we got something else we have to do at 11.35? What's, what's the deal? I know Jono's always conscious of time. Um, oh, we've got to be, you know. No, 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 no. If God wants to come and do something in our lives, let's be prepared to go a little bit over time and just sit there before him in silence and just say, Lord, I love you. I love you. And not have any agendas. Just love on the Lord. So finally, what are we going to do? I think, first of all, let's work on that omnipresence. Have a mindset that says, God is with me all the time. Have that every day, all day, every day. God is with me, God is with me, God is with me. Take him with you wherever you go. Every time you open the Bible, expect him to speak to you. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Be thankful every day to him. The beautiful thing that God's presence it's not, not tied in with our worthiness. You know, in, in all those scriptures I read about the manifest presence of God, not one of them said, now, you, you, better, you better get your heart right before me because I'm coming. They came into the presence of God and they fell on their face in the presence of God and their sin was dealt with in the presence of God. So don't feel you have to get your, right, your life together before you come into the presence of God. Come into your presence of God right now. Enjoy his presence right now. If there's sin to be dealt with, God will deal with that in that, in that time of his presence. So finally, let's encourage each other. Let's help each other to come into his presence. You know, if you're, if you're in church and we have our singing in a few minutes' time, and nobody around you is singing, it's quite hard for you to sing out loud because other people will listen to you. But if everybody, if everybody around you is singing loud, then you can sing loud and you don't care because they can't even hear So by you entering in, you're helping other people enter into his presence. And we can encourage each other to enter into his presence. So let's come. Jeremy, would you come and get organised, please? Probably have to move all this... But let's just, let's just come and invite the, the Holy Spirit as Jeremy comes and, and leads us in worship and invite his presence. Lord, we just, 
We're blown away by your grace and your mercy, Lord, and, and the, the wonderful gift of your manifest presence, Lord. Forgive us for the many times where we've ignored your presence and where we've relied on our feelings and our, our just, yeah, our feelings have, have held us back, Lord. Lord, we repent of that. And we just come this morning, Lord, and, and as Jeremy leads us in worship, would you come, Holy Spirit, and just make your presence so strong, Lord, amongst us that we know that we know that we know that we've been in your presence, Lord, and that our hearts are changed by the gift of your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.